welcome everybody to another episode of Call Your Bird Corner. We know we've been gone for a while. We got that. We understand a little bit. Riley and I both had one of those kind of weird times where we kept trying to plan a Call Your Bird Corner episode and then one of us would have something to do or one of us would be dying of allergies or one of us would have just gotten his COVID shot and felt like a piece of crap or yada, yada, yada. So anyway, we are now back here for several episodes of Collier Corner. So we're going to pump out a few right now. You'll only hear one, and then we will have other ones released on the normal weekly basis. And that gives us a good amount of time to get our asses in gear and start producing them like we promised we would. So, Riley, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Good job. Um, Now, (laughs) what is today's episode on? So, uh, normally... I like to jump all over the board, keep the uh, the the listeners guessing, but this week I did want to capitalize on a little bit of topical resurgence in popularity and mm-hmm. focus on the false water cobra. Good, your new favorite. Well, I have my favorites change on a daily basis. To be honest, <laughs> this with is me. true. But, this but, is true. But they are they are fun, and I actually. Um, I actually play favorites with my false water cobras. I like mm. my female. She's very nice. She hides and then will come out and eat very gently. My male is psychotic, which that, makes that me kind of love him more. But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. these guys are very, very cool. And they're yep. one of those things that uh, they're one of those animals that people told me for years to get into. And then I'm like, nah, nah, nah. And then finally, uh, Dr. Zach Loveman is like, you're going to do this. And you're going to do it now. And I did. And thank God I did. <laughs> so to, to be honest, these guys were a direct result of the Madagascar hog nose. So mm-hmm. if the mad hogs had gone horrible, I probably would have never looked at false water cobra. So they're here because of them. So, all right, let's get into it. Um, what are we talking about for obviously common names are false water cobra, Brazilian smooth snake and South American water cobra. Yeah, Which so common awesome. names, as you know, are sometimes useless, sometimes silly. But right. uh, yeah, I, I have actually heard them uh, referred to as Brazilian smooth snakes before uh, years ago. And and I'll never forget that because I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. And then I've heard that uh, sort of name association play out later. And then I remember. So. I've only ever heard them as false water cobra. I've never heard them as South American water cobra, which is it's so weird because, uh, again, I put them more with a Madagascar hognose than I would ever put them with an actual, you know, elapid cobra sure. cobra. Like, sure. I understand they do the neck flare. I understand they have kind of a falsehood, almost like uh, a mamba and things like that. But I, I just don't see they, they. There's something so iconic about a cobra with yeah. the stance and things like that. And these guys just don't do that. It's like, very different. Yeah. yeah so. Very different. Um, one of the coolest things about them is their Mm -hmm. scientific name, which I think everybody can agree that when you hear this name, you either giggle or you think it's badass. That is Hydrodynasties Gigas. (laughs) And there's the giggle. (laughs) (laughs) Hydrodynasties Gigas. So, I mean, I've been told they can be quite filthy. um, but so uh, that has nothing to do with their (laughs) their bowel movements, but it does sound really cool. And yes, they are nasty, as Owen just mentioned. Uh, Colibrids, as we know, have have pretty fast metabolisms, but for whatever reason, these guys definitely um, 
take the cake as far as being a little bit of a, a Picasso of species. Mm-hmm. They like to smear. They have very fast metabolism. It goes in, and about three days later, it's coming right back out. Jesus. So it's fast. So with this fast metabolism, I mean, what are we looking at as far as recommended food cycle for these guys? Because uh, like they can't be on the same thing as, like, say, a python of like every 10 to 14 days. Like, Is it higher, or is it just bulk or like more food items these guys need to eat a lot more than your average snake Mm -hmm. um you talk to a lot of keepers they they will tell you that their animal gets a little bit nippy and kind of rushes the door a little bit more the further away from a meal so i i often find that keepers will feed their falsies twice a week or give them uh, a couple food items in one sitting Mm -hmm. I think, you know, doing weekly is great, but if you want to experiment with some seasonal variety of food or during the, the high peak seasons where it's pretty warm and their metabolism is going to be acting a lot faster, I don't see anything wrong with instituting, you know, some smaller meals a couple of times. Like if you want to do frog legs at the beginning of the week and some small mice later on, mm-hmm. that's totally fine. But these things will just about eat anything that fits in their mouth. But they don't have the big like uh, gaping uh, maw. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they don't have the super stretchy elastic ligaments that like pythons and boas do. So mm-hmm. they are limited to the size of prey they can eat. But they don't really seem to have an end to their stomachs. It seems like they're very much like a a, a mildly venomous kribo. It's like a kribo mm-hmm. and a Madagascar hog had a baby, and it's a false water cobra. Like yeah. it is. Like yeah. So I would say yeah. it's that. Now, as far as Latin. How much insanity have we gone through with these guys as far as their Latin? They've actually changed quite a bit compared to some of the other species we've covered thus far. Few of them change their their genus name as often as mm-hmm. these guys have. And they've gone back and forth. Um, so they were, you know, first initially discovered and, and you know, published and given a name and description by Dumeril, Bibron, and Dumeril in 1854. Okay. And that, and that original name was Xenodon Gygus. Um, so they, they've gone from Xenodon to uh, Legisophis, Cyclagris. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be pronouncing those wrong, but, um, and then they've bounced back and forth between those and Hydrodynasties several times. Gygus has always stayed the same. Um, so it's just tr- trying to figure out where they fit in are, amongst other species. Are any of these other, like Xenodon, uh, that sounds familiar. Is it like still around and used for other animals? I do believe Xenodon is used for some of the um, the subterranean colubrids. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that is a very small group of, of animals. Um not too many people work yeah, with. I'm looking at they're, it right they're now. New World snakes, so it's definitely South and, and North America. But you're, there's not a lot of them in that family. It's it's a colubrid group. Yeah, and, um, it, it looks like it's, and it's weird. I'm like I'm trying to find any kind of common name we can toss out to these guys, but it's like everything is still just very much. So it, it seems uh, to belong to a lot of South American. Yeah, colubrids. There's a there's a false Ferdelance that is in the Xenodon <laughs> genus. Okay. So if that doesn't give you any indication of what's what going we're looking on. at. Okay. So yeah. So basically, it's definitely it, been known to be an intimidating colubrid for a little okay. while. Okay. So Xenodon is just pretty much South American 
Uh, Waggler Snake. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Cyclogris was uh, monotypic. So, um, you know, when they moved the Hydrodynastes in there, then it changed mm-hmm. that. But now that they're out, I think Cyclogris is back to being I, a monotypic genus. Yeah. I don't think Z- I don't think they work in Xenodon because I'm looking at these guys. These all look like pretty much rat snakes and things like that. Nothing that looks a lot like a false water cobra. So, yeah. and I yeah. imagine that's probably where some Why? of the initial curiosity yeah. came from because you know, they didn't have all those, uh, genus the classifications yeah. and labels just then, but yeah, th- that was, a probably a, a bit of an odd species amongst what they were finding for that time. Cool. All right. So these things, not only are they probably weird when you first find them in the wild, cause you're like, Hey, it's a cobra, but it's a colubrid and it's in South America. <laughs> just this doesn't make sense. Snake. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But they are impressive. They mm-hmm. are big they're long they are really cool snakes um i wouldn't necessarily say they're a big snake but some of them get pretty close you know we're talking an animal like occasionally some males pass seven feet and we're talking you know a couple inches in diameter so good good heavy i would say that you know when you're considering other colubrids and things like that in um like I would say that something as that anything gets to go over six foot is considered a large colubrid to me. That's oh, sure, that, absolutely. This isn't a corn snake. This isn't a milk snake. This is something a little bit on the bigger end that mm-hmm. needs to be kind of given a mm-hmm. little bit of a thing. And apparently, the Latin does like gigas is giant or yes. is, okay. Yeah, so they were they were always pretty much recognized as a big snake. Okay, like it, they've always been regarded as unique in their size, as far as their naming goes. It's always recognized and acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, these things. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Would say they're they're a big colubrid. They're they not are like a corn snake. They're like twice as big as most. Yeah, I mean, I would say that they're not, and also because they're a big-bodied snake. Like, let's say mm-hmm. somebody could get a corn snake to six feet. It, it's never going to look six feet because no. of the it's way it's only going to be built. about two inches in diameter. Exactly, maybe. and it'll look fat. Exactly, <laughs> and it'll probably die at the age of four. But yes. um, this is a snake that can kind of be a little bit heavier bodied, and I wouldn't say it's in the same realm of say like indigo, crebo, things like that. But mm-hmm. it's close because I want to yeah. say like, what's the top for indigo crebo? Is that a little bit bigger than seven, or are we kind of looking at that for them? Too? Eight indigos have been doc- documented at eight feet, and yellowtails have been documented over eight feet. Mm. So you can okay. get some good size, but I mean, I still think a, a falsy has a little bit of a, a, a girth, a little bit well, more. Girth there's also the added like rear fang venomous. Like there's also that to add that to is, it. Like that is worth is, noting. Yes. Yeah. So. They're, uh, they're, so they, these snakes, yes, they are mm-hmm. rear fang venomous. Um, they are in the hobby. Mm-hmm. They are legal to keep. Uh, yes. Even by California standards, and if you're listening and you don't know what California standards are, uh, it basically means you you can't have anything exotic that is venomous, with the exception of any of the rear fang stuff, because for whatever reason the state doesn't lump those together. So hognose, um, falsies, things like that, they they don't mind because the Western hognose market is a uh, booming, so they can't yep. hey, money can't cut them out. Yeah, so. yeah, and now and nowadays, fortunately, um, falsies are receiving some some much new uh, res- renewed resurgence in uh, emphasis, which is great because they're just 
just they're unique, fun. wonderful animals. They're beautiful to look at. I mean, yeah. let's just talk about how they look, right? So okay. this is a, a glossy looking snake. Their, yeah. their scales are smooth, they're soft, and they're supple, and they reflect a nice sheen. They're not, not like a crazy iridescence, mm -hmm. but they are shiny. They almost look like they just came out of water almost all the time. Which they do We're like to hang out in water a lot. They so, do, yeah. which is which is one of those few times where the common name actually kind of fits. Fits. It's like a water yeah. python, and my waters hate water. So yeah, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. This does, one does. Yeah, this one does. So these guys think of a think of an animal that's kind of like got a gold base, mm -hmm. and they threw black um, saddles across the back that kind of taper down into teardrops. And then you get this really rich inky black eye stripe that starts at the eye. It goes back, fades into the dorsal. And you're talking about like a golden black banded snake. That's a little more gold in the front. And then towards the back, you have more of a predominantly black color. However, uh, in the hobby, there are lavenders. There's a couple morphs and things. There's these high yellow animals. So you yeah. do, you do probably see a little bit of natural variation in the wild. I would imagine there's probably some heavily melanistic individuals, probably lots yeah. of gold, and that's sort of slowly trickling into the hobby. Yeah, my female is a high yellow and my male is a high black. Yeah, so they, so. they have a lot of cool looks to them. Um, mm -hmm. I, I personally find that inky black eye stripe that really, is, really mesmerizing. It's cool because it looks like it's almost painted on because it's not mm -hmm. like a clean eye stripe like you know we've seen in other animals and it's not small like say a white lip eye like stripe where it's like right. three or four white scales behind the eye this right. thing goes from the eye to pretty much down past the false hood so it goes yeah. it goes like all the way that all the way down to where the saddles begin mm -hmm. and some of it can bleed down towards their mouth some of it can mm -hmm. go up towards the head yep. exactly it like i said it looks like somebody attacked them with a taint Paint, paintbrush which and is then their eye is cool. hidden in yes. that black stripe and their eye is jet black so it mm -hmm. just it's really hard to figure out where their eyes are so it's kind of got this intimidating look yeah. and then um if you happen to look closely you can tell it's a diurnal animal because of that that round pupil they are they are very much a visually keyed in snake um anybody who works with them oh and you can tell you know firsthand these things are very food motivated and if their and eye picks up movement and it tells brain it. that food they're on yeah and they're smart too because i keep trick i keep trying to trick my male because i'm trying to get my guys to associate food with a bowl like mm. my Kribo do my vietnamese blue beauties and my chinese king rats and my mad hogs so i'm trying to get them to associate food bowl i'm coming in i'm not food my other snakes figure that out my female false water cobra is figuring out my male is so keyed in that he doesn't give a shit. I open the drawer <laughs> and anything is anything he sees he's hitting. So I have to almost open the drawer, present him with the food bowl, let him grab something. And then he runs off and then I put the food bowl down. Yeah. So, but like there have been several times where I put the food bowl down and he's in it like yes. eating away at things. So yes, um, they're very fast. Yeah. And I should stop having him above my head. So I really need to figure out a better spot for him. So eh, that keeps it interesting, but yes, oh, yeah. they, they definitely pick up on your routines. Like if they hear like a lock opening on a door, yeah. they're like, okay, he's coming in. There's usually food following this and they, they come flying out and they will track me uh, even from, cause I have them right now in 32 courts and they're getting bigger. So I'm going to have to move them up to 41s. Um, They'll track me if they can. If I walk close to their rack or if I'm working in that rack, they'll watch me from inside their cage. Yeah, they're yeah. very switched on. Really cool snakes. Awesome. So, all right. 
What about conservation status? How are we looking for these guys? So according to the IUCN red list, there, there really isn't any sort of information on there. Um, it seems that the species itself hasn't been uh, evaluated or hasn't generated any concerns to warrant some huge evaluation right now. Mm. They come into the hobby enough and they are bred enough in captivity where we shouldn't I, be too concerned. I don't think that there's a lot of wild uh, caught animals coming in anymore. I don't Brazil, see any. I mean, Brazil doesn't really export. South America is pretty rare. So, you know, I don't think that there's a lot of uh, necessarily hobby related pressures on them, but I can guarantee you some of their yeah, habitat. Absolutely. I was about to say, it's like anything in South America is going to be suffering from deforestation at this point or um, rip up. I I understand that there's like gold production along Mm -hmm. certain rivers that can totally decimate areas and other things like that. So there's a lot of encroachment and things like that. Um, And I would say that out of all the snakes that might be down there, these guys might be high on the list of something that could all of a sudden go from, eh, there's no problem to holy crap, because when you when people kind of encroach on these areas, the first thing that it usually tends to go is anything that can look or appear dangerous. Mm-hmm. And these mm-hmm. guys kind of don't help themselves with their hissy attitude, their name. So it's yeah. kind of like along that lines where there could be an issue, but hopefully not. And like you said, I have not seen very many imports. I have seen a lot of baby animals, normals and mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. color um, phases. And then I've seen also a lot of different morph projects. So mm-hmm. it does seem like this is one of those animals that if you're cool and bi- into big colubrids, you kind of go on that route and get some, if you're into venomous, you might have a couple, like yep. this is one of the things where it can kind of bridge a gap between a couple different things. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. definitely cool. Yeah. They're fun snakes. I would imagine, um, the resurgence in popularity might, uh, put a little bit of pressure on potential mm. imports if that's even a thing. I am not the most up to speed on whether or not that's even legal from their their country of origin or countries. Yeah. I would say because it's countries, you might be able to find one. And if you find one, then... I mean, you yeah. know, Guyana and Suriname do allow export of their red-tailed boas. So If they're know. in Guyana or Suriname and somebody... But it also, also depends on the laws and restrictions mm-hmm. because if they mm-hmm. have the same kind of laws and restrictions as Indo, Indo will allow you to export, uh, I think... Um, there's a quota system. Right, there's a quota system. So if you don't request any insert animal here you lose uh, it for the year you lose it like you, you have to yeah. you have to try to like petition to get it back and things like that yeah. so if nobody has wanted false water cobra then they may not be exporting or collecting false water cobra because mm-hmm. nobody cares so right. if that starts again and they start importing then you might see like a giant inflow of them so who mm-hmm. knows but yeah and where they're from in South America um, is uh, eastern Bolivia to southern Brazil and in Paraguay and Argentina. And you can also find them along the coastline of French Guiana, Suriname, and South Brazil. All of these areas experience a lot, a lot yeah. of habitat destruction, deforestation, yeah. logging. So, you know, 
if there's not much published on the IUCN right now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not hurting. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not working on it getting just evaluations. Means not done. looking at it right now, or it's not, not right being finished. Yeah, yeah, and we all know how that goes. It's fine until it's not. So. Right, and and we talked about with several species where it's like um, there's no there's no red list on it because either we can't get there to mm-hmm. evaluate it, or it's not anything that we think is in a has a problem so right yeah right and we usually don't evaluate it until it's too late too late or or, it's already in a distressed position i mean the fact that you get to a point where a zoo has to run and grab as many of a specimen as they can because the habitat's about to come down Mm -hmm. i i i I routinely think about the um the 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 mist toads in um is it tanzania Mm -hmm. where it's like Mm -hmm. oh yeah the dam is gonna be put in like it's going to be opened up tomorrow, which means they're going to lose the waterfall, which means they lose the mist for us, which mm-hmm. means the toads are dead. So mm-hmm. then they got to try to collect as many as they can to save the species. Like that's how quickly yep. this stuff can turn. Yes. So we are, we are in uh, a point in our Earth's world or Earth's lifespan that these environmental catastrophes can literally happen overnight uh, from something like that. And then, you know, the the unattractive, not popular animals aren't what's going to get um, people f- focused and motivated on bringing back changes, the furry fuzzy stuff. So if uh, anybody's listening, they're concerned about South American conservation, focus on the umbrella species that mm-hmm. live in the areas. That, and then go for those. Yeah. Yeah. You protect those or protects everything else. Yeah. A little side note on uh, save the Jaguars. <laughs> yeah. Save the Jaguars. Um, save the Jaguars and then you end up saving the false water Cobra. So, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Everybody wins. Yep. All so, right. Now, within their countries that they could be found, um, you're generally going to find them in some pretty humid areas, obviously mm-hmm. being water cobras. Uh, they like water. Uh, they like humid tropical rainforests. You'll find them near marshlands. They're also known to pass through some drier areas, floodplains and streams. You know, there's dry and wet season. So uh, if it's an area where the the water availability changes you might see at the end of the season cobras moving away or congregating around pools looking for prey um so they they do like those 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 forested planted areas where there's a lot of foliage covered near water Mm -hmm. um and they're very much a diurnal hunter they are going to be out during the day relying on that keen eyesight grabbing literally whatever anything that'll fit in their mouth okay Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm That's nuts. All right. They are fantastic. And obviously, prey we're looking at is small mammals, rodents, birds, reptiles, amphibians, fish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anything. Yeah. It's literally, like it's, literally it's, anything. It's like a blackhead. It's a, it's a it's a gaping maw. It's like just gonna keep eating. I mean, I literally fed my guys tonight because um, my guys are still relatively small. Um, I fed them uh, chunks of frog legs chunks of tilapia and i cut the heads off of a bunch of chickens that i was feeding to my other animals and uh some mice some 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 fuzzies and and that was like literally in a bowl they got like five chunks of tilapia Mm -hmm. four chicken heads and three chunks of toad and a mouse and beautiful i haven't checked but they probably cleaned the bowls out so i believe it yeah Mm. i think they're one of those species that also gives you really good feedback when you're on top of your food variety like that in the condition of their scale quality uh if they're anything like how my biologically 
kind of give me cues based on diet. Their scales will show the first signs yeah. of irregularity, uh, malnutrition, anything like that, and and with hydration as well. So they're they're a fun and rewarding snake. They give you a lot of feedback, let you know what you're doing is good or yeah. give you some more work. I'm already thinking about how I'm going to move them up and how I got to give like. I don't want to go back to water bins like I used to have for like white lips and things like that, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to have to. So it's like that. Yeah. But that's the other thing too, is that I, they're, they're a thinking species and they're a fun species and I try to give them something to do. So when I go and I get goldfish for my baby rhino rat snakes, um, cause I get the little rosy reds for the rhinos, um, which that I only have really one more left on fish, but while I'm there, I'm like, hey, give me some of these like larger goldfish, mm-hmm. you know, and then I put them in the water bowl for the false water cobra. And I did that twice. And now the male will search the water bowl for food. <laughs> so <laughs> he'll awesome. go in and he'll do a swoop. And if he doesn't see anything, he'll duck out. And like, it's just one of those things. So, um, That's so cool. it's really cool to watch them do that. And it's really cool to watch. Like, I mean, it, it, Listen, if I put a fish in a water bowl of like a carpet or a rough scale, the fish will die in that water bowl and the rough scale will be like, <laughs> rough scale will be like, well, that was stupid. Like, but for those guys, it was like movement, like <laughs> movement flapping must be food. I'll give it a shot. Like they, yep. they keyed in on it as a potential yeah. prey immediately. Yeah. So very cool snakes. It's very cool. It's very cool to yeah. watch it. And it's very cool to, to it's almost like, and I mean, you and I have geeked out about this kind of stuff before as both coming from a, a zoo background and having to deal with animals and potential enrichment guidelines mm-hmm. and things like that for mm-hmm. AZA and CAA. It's cool to offer animals enrichment sometimes and watch how they react. Yes. So literally throwing goldfish in their bowl. Now I know people are going to be like, but the nutritional value of goldfish, I get it. I eat Oreos sometime. The nutritional value of an Oreo is fucking horrible. But you know what? I enjoy the Oreos. My yeah. fucking the, the the they really enjoyed hunting those goldfish. So yeah. I don't do it all the time. It's just a treat, and I'm gonna try doing it for more snakes because I, I think the pros far outweigh any potential. Price. Right, and 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 fish is cheap. You know, I just fed my guys downstairs and I probably fed more chicken, fish and frog than Mm -hmm. I did actual rodent. Yeah. And if you feed those animals, primarily rodents their entire lives, you will have a fat liver failing animal that won't live as long. And I want, dude, I want, I want variety with all my snakes because it is healthier for them. Adding bird to my python diets has increased like they gain weight faster after laying they're they're hunting they're moving they're doing things it's a it's a variety i also don't break the bank every time i go and buy feeder rodents i can buy what i need and then the rest i can get from like the local butcher shop or they they routinely have sales on things so yeah it no done yeah policies are are really good on the wallet and keeping you having fun with them and it's good for to have a garbage disposal, especially yes. because we're coming into baby python season. And mm-hmm. I usually ha- – I used to hate throwing away like all the fuzzies that none of the baby carpets ate. Instead mm-hmm. now, I'm going to mound them up and put them in a bowl and drop them in my falsies. <laughs> there you go. just go to town. So there it's really, really cool. All right. Yeah. They're reproduct- awesome. Now, I'm years away from reproductive because yes. – but yes, they, they what need are we a little bit at? of that. 
So, you know, generally you want to get them up to three, four, five years. They're going to grow fast. Um, Mm -hmm. Your males are going to be a little bit bigger than your females. So you want to make sure your female hits that size threshold. It's less important for the male, of course. Um, But they are pretty much sexually active year round. So they will... um, They'll breed at kind of irregular times of the year. You just got, you have to know what your female is doing cyclically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just pay attention to that. The other side note I will say is I have experienced um, a male relentlessly breeding a female to the point where she broke her back and had to be euthanized. So one little asterisk there is males will literally breed nonstop if you let them. So pay attention to the stress levels of your female and how much uh, rest your animals are getting because you can overdo it. Yeah, so they're, I, they're, they're that good. So I basically would not like I, I, you and I have been talking about the Mad Hogs because I just got the clutch there, and we have been watching my female because we don't want my male to immediately start breeding her again because there is a concern about potential double clutches mm-hmm. or harassing her and stuff like that. So there needs mm-hmm. to be some kind of downtime. So mm-hmm. I would say that you know cycling and like basically you can get false water cobra eggs year round yeah if you're paying attention and you have a female cycle and you introduce the male mm-hmm. at the right time mm-hmm. but obviously you know just because you can get it doesn't mean you should so exactly. it's yeah you can burn them out right monitor and you know give her some time give her some breaks maybe even don't breed her for a year so that's yeah yeah, yeah. these are snakes that can live 15 to 20 years so Jeez. you know Keep that in mind. They they should be able to live quite some time. Um, they are prolific breeders, so if you if you are able to separate and pair and, mm-hmm. and kind of do it at a good pace and keep their body weight in mind and do that, you could you could have a very successful breeding uh, project. And they'll lay fourteen to twenty four eggs on average, but it's not unheard of to get thirty six eggs wow. in one clutch. That's a lot, and and twice a year. Potentially, yeah. if you do it right, like I would say, if you breed a collie more than twice a year, you're 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 killing it. Yeah. Like it is, and, and there, there, well. there are probably many people who'd be like, oh, I do it all the time. You're still killing it. So yeah. um, it's not going to live fifteen to twenty years. Yeah, good luck. That, I you're you're you. shaving years off its life. Yeah, you know. Uh, now the nice thing is the eggs aren't super hard to incubate. Um, you you want to run them a little bit lower than okay. pythons. We're talking like 83 degrees. Um, oh, so but it'll, basically it'll, like what time. a normal colubrid, like in my case, I, I shoved the mad hogs in a, um, I, I, I halfway buried them. I put them on a grate under some damp vermiculite. And then I mm-hmm. buried them in moss. Like I do with cow Kings. Like I do mm-hmm. with corns. Like I do with rhinos. Like I do with rat snakes, bull snakes, yeah. all that. And then yep. I sh- shoved them on a warm shelf that usually got to about 82 degrees. Yep. That's perfect. And then 60 days later, you'll have your little, your little falsy babies popping out. Cool thing to note about falsies mm. is their eyes aren't jet black like they are as adults. So you actually see the gold ring around the uh, the pupil oh, a little bit. So their changes. eyes stand out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. As they get older, it goes jet black. Oh, that's cool. It's almost mm-hmm. like watching the eye change on a Savu python. Yeah. So that's oh, a, another that's cool. little subtle little thing there. Now, obviously, everybody knows that falsies get the name false water cobra because they act like cobras. So right. um, they are most known for their defensive hooding behavior. Now mm-hmm. it doesn't, uh, it doesn't kind of equate the same way as a cobra where it's a very vertical uh, straight up uh, broad 
flat hood. These guys, they kind of lift the front third of their body several inches off the ground, but still parallel and kind of go sideways, uh, showing you their dorsal line. And then it's very much like a hog nose where they they flatten out their hood and do that and hiss and bluff. But instead of being vertical, it's sideways. It's almost like a shield because he'll flare it and then he'll turn his Mm -hmm. head and he'll show you the dorsal. So basically... I walk in and, and you would normally see like you would think of a cobra hood. You're seeing its belly the entire way up. These guys will flare and then turn. So all you see is the back. So right. it's basically trying to show you its back and then also trying to move its head away from you at the same time, mm-hmm. which is weird because then when it strikes, it actually whips around the other way. So it, it's yeah very different. But I would say a lot of it is like you just said, it's bluff. It's mm-hmm. hood behavior, tail slapping deep growl hissing that you would see mm-hmm. in a lot of Asian colubrids as well mm-hmm. as like larger snakes like that. Um, and, and then it's just, you know, very, very reluctant to actually bite. But the problem Correct. is, is that, and we always talk about this with rear fangs, mm-hmm. that there's no stupid thing about them chewing you back to the fangs. Right. They just open their mouths really wide. Yes, and then these bite things, <laughs> when they hit their mouth is open all the way and whatever they're biting ends up in the back of their mouth. First. Right. It's, it's that fast. That's the whole point. There's no chewing. There's no, it's, they just bite you with their entire mouth to make mm-hmm. sure that you get hit by the back thing. So, right. Um, all right. So we talked about that. Let's talk about their venom a little bit because yeah, we have so talked about that. We will we'll, we'll wind out all the fun little details with the last little elephant in the room on these guys. Venom. <laughs> and this is their venom. Yeah. So these, these are called false water cobras, but they are not true cobras. They're not in the genus Naya. So they are not a cobra. They do not have a... Uh, a front fixed fang like a cobra. They uh, rely on a Duvernoy's gland and their maxillary teeth in the back. It's a very primitive style of uh, secretion. It's slow. It's not as effective in in delivery. But like we always say, everybody reacts differently to Mm -hmm. uh, even a bee sting, right? So as much as people will brush it off and say, you don't have to worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. You don't know until you've received a bite. And I was able to find um, one written documentation that sort of explained a few somewhat more extreme symptoms, not terrible, but considerable enough to, to think about. <laughs> and an uh, in, in individual, an 18-year-old at a pet store was bitten on the wrist by a falsie, and it managed to hang on for a minute and a half. Oh, my uh, God. And, why would you leave it there? <laughs> yeah, like, there's so many other questions that uh, come along with this scenario. But anyway, a minute and a half later, the animal Oh, he'll off. tuck her out eventually. Like, yeah, um, and uh, the swelling didn't go away. And uh, after about nine hours, the victim claimed to have experienced several bouts of muscle paralysis in his arm. And just in general, muscle paralysis. And he actually fell and wasn't able to, like, speak. Like, he had facial what? muscle paralysis. Uh, but there was no like clinical diagnosis that showed anything had happened and that, you know, it was suspected it could have just been stress related or some sort of other type of, you know, body reaction from the freak out and the mental anxiety of it. But somebody yeah. did have some unpleasant effects more wow. so than just a little bit of redness and irritation, like everybody will tell you and brush it off. So with that being said, if you are interested in getting false water cobras, do it. But if you are, 
somebody who's allergic to bee stings or you carry an EpiPen for whatever medical conditions. Maybe, maybe think about it a little it bit again. More. Yeah, because yeah, this wow. could end up being a potentially dangerous animal for the wrong person if, if you are medically compromised. Otherwise, if you are somebody who loves a big, fun, food-motivated, potentially sassy you know polybrid i mean seems yeah. like a venomous snake polybrid then this is the animal for you this is the closest i will get to venomous to be honest with you because yeah. this, no, is, I this think is my a, line I think it's a great way to to do that if somebody's ever wanted to keep venomous without you know any real significant consequences and have a little bit of fun this is about as close as you can get safely yeah so uh, i would also say like they they are an animal that you need to consider like space. Like my mm-hmm. guys right now are in 32s. They're very quickly getting out of the 32s just because of okay. the, how big they're growing. So sure. they're going to need a lot of space. And we already talked about it. Like right now they can curl up really nice in one of those little plastic bowls that I have in there. But as they get bigger, I'm going to increase their water bowls because they really do enjoy getting in the water. Yes. So they yes, need they that. Do. They do. So absolutely. That's, this is something else. This is the same thing as far as Kribo and, Chinese king rats, this thing will eventually need a five to six foot cage. Yeah, you can't house adult falsies permanently at their maximum size mm-hmm. in something like a boa tub with a hide and a Tupperware for a water bowl. That's Which, just not going to cut it. You know, we, I understand there are people who are going to be like, oh, I do. Congratulations. You just admitted to doing that and you kind of suck for it. So these um, animals will use every inch of a cage. They, they will climb if you give it to them. If you give them a pool, that will be their favorite toilet. Yeah. And they will use it on a daily basis. I so I, they will my guys hang out in cork bark tubes that I gave them when they arrived. Mm-hmm. And they're quickly filling out those cork bark tubes. And that's one of the things where it's like uh, I, cork bark tubes get expensive as shit when they start getting really, really big. So I'm trying to figure out like which kind of plastic tube would be safe for them. Do I want to get PVC pipe or those like crinkle ones? Like, cause then eventually I'm going to have to start doing that for them because they are a big bodied colubrid and they will need um, probably in the next two years, they're going to need somewhere as far as like a, a three to four foot cage. And then after that, it's going to have to be that, uh, Hopefully by then we've moved, but anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I keep them in the rack with my Python. So we're talking, they have a, during the day, they have a, um, an 84 degree, uh, 85 degree hotspot. And then it clicks off and it gets down to about the seventies at night. Perfect. So um, they will get as high as maybe 85, 86, but mm-hmm. that's really the it. Now the problem is with these guys is the warmer you keep them, the more they're going to metabolize, the more you're going to be sure. cleaning, the more you're going to be feeding. So yeah. um, I would say they're also really cool because I've been enjoying this with my big colubrids and my Asians uh, is that their their heating elements are there just as pretty much as a safety net. Yeah. There's no they're they're rarely ever on those heat right. panels because they just chill out in the python temps of the room being eighty. 283 during the day and dropping off at nighttime and then yeah. during the winter they actually prefer it cooler so it's yeah. totally fine with that too yeah, so i would say these they're guys they're not much for basking yeah so yeah. a very very cool species all right yep. so that was false water cobra so uh we will now go through the ending thing which we have never written out but we are happy <laughs> uh members of the morelia python radio network along with our other shows which is morelia python radio uh, obviously, Collier Corner, which is us, the uh, 
there's so many now. <laughs> um, there's, there's legitimately 10. Student, student of the Serpent. There's, um, God, the Monitor Podcast. There's the Field Herping Podcast. There's uh, Carpet Cliff Notes. There's so many. I can't even get all of them in my Carpets head. Carpets and Coffee. Humans Carpets of and Coffee. Humans of the Coach Holder. Um, uh, then there's now the new one that's coming out. Uh, the Australian Herpetoculture Australian podcast. Australian uh, podcast. And now there's also Reptile Fight Club that's coming oh out soon. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm going to announce Whoa. it now. I didn't tell Eric, but <laughs> I didn't ask Eric. But we won't even tell people what that one's about. We'll just toss it out just there. Just know that it. it's coming. Reptile yeah. Fight Club, FYI. Yeah. So there's that, too. And, and like you said, that's legit 10. Obviously, we have a Patreon. Go over and subscribe to that through Melly Python Radio Network Patreon. Go to the Teespring store. You can get all kinds of swag for all of the for a bunch of the um, Rally Python Radio Network shows. We're going to put more of them on there as much as we can soon. Yeah, hopefully, end. yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, you can also go and subscribe to the YouTube channel, and you can go give us a like on all kinds of social media, um, Rally Python Radio Network, and Call Your Brick Corner. You can like uh, all that stuff. Obviously, we're going to put the show notes from this one along with all the other ones that are on the website, which is Morelia Python Radio. Is it dot net? I think I don't know. It's you. You guys know where it's at at this point. You can find it. You yeah. got it. You. I. I believe in you. So <laughs> that is all we have for everybody this time, and we'll check in with you guys next time for some more Calibre Corner. Thanks for listening. Adios. Bye.